Cheeks the team, yeah we bout to rank, rank, rank supreme Come on. Yeah we coming over and we taking the scene Yeah we should be on that line laid up up on the screen Yeah you know my team, yeah we really just doing this Fluid up, every time we really just moving this Yeah man, we mix it up To all of my fellas and six foot up hey, Best believe, we the new way Mr. Cheeks, Rob Boogie and Anthony Dave Let's go You're listening to the Riot Show This is the Riot Show You're listening to the Riot Show gentlemen boys and girls it is finally that time of the week again that's right this is the premiere of the ryan show fm with your host ryan vernell and joining me as always my childhood brother the one and only the socialite of new york city the most lit man on this planet the one and only hamptons dave is in the building that doesn't sound like Hamzay. That sounds nah. like DJ Honky Wonky. DJ Honky Wonky. Is he in the room with you right now? I've been looking all over for Honky Wonky. He doesn't show his face. I kind of like the way he maneuvers. I like the way he moves. Much I like, like his, his Instagram's been good too. Blank. Empty. Yep. But it's there at DJ Honky Wonky. And much like our other host, it is tough to find him at times. Mr. Cheeks is not in the house, but he can be followed at the real Mr. Cheeks. But we've got so much going on tonight that we will not be... I mean, and who knows? We, you know, you really never know. Cheeks could just pop in at any point. Could be en route. We it's All-Star know. Weekend. He's got a show tonight. Not only does he have a show tonight, but he's had four shows in a row. All weekend has been completely insane for Mr. Cheeks. So, I mean, you got to give the guy a break. I don't want to make any age jokes. I mean, I'm not ageist <laughs> against Mr. Cheeks, but I don't know how he does it. Much like another he's guest. He's an entertainer. That's his... But that's his... It's true. Like, he's been doing this for years. Since, you know, more than he wasn't doing it. He's been, this has been his life. He's been Mr. Cheeks since what? 15? He's been Mr.? Yeah. But yeah, shouts to Mr. Cheeks. We've got a great night tonight. In fact, we have to get right into it. We've got too many guests coming on, including Big Headbands, our friends sent over from our pals at Radio Pushers. You've heard Big Headbands before. Mr. Cheeks, Hamzay, myself, we enjoyed his music, unlike others that have submitted it. No yeah. offense to those artists out there. Some of them I like, are great. When we did that review, the review segment, everybody was furious. Yeah, there was one guy that it. got it pretty bad, huh? <laughs> they were not liking me. Why? 
Who is he to have this opinion? He's from the Hamptons. Whatever. Just because you're white, it doesn't mean you, you can't have an opinion, Hams, Dave, on music. I disagree with that sentiment. But that yeah, being said, too. big headbands will be here tonight. Also, Damon Feldman makes his return. He's been making the headlines constantly. He put together the Aaron Carter and Lamar Odom fight. He's the originator of celebrity It's the boxing. Lamar Odom fight. I don't even want Aaron Carter being. <laughs> well, watch what you say. He's going to be here within the next couple weeks to talk about this fight, Aaron Carter. He's got a lot Good. going on, a lot of demons that he's fighting. So we're going to ask looks Damon like about it. that. He looks like he's Dude, got some demons there. He certainly does lots of uh, rants, raves, tangents. You can see him on Instagram if you follow him. I like the Lamar saying it's not even going to be a fight. Because it's not. We're going to have to ask Damon, like, Damon, do you really believe that there is any type of fight that's going on? I mean, we'll find out. I said something to him and he kind of, he's like, oh, no, he's training. He seems to really believe that Aaron Carter stands a chance. So we'll find out. Also tonight, Drama Boy Fresh. One of the godfathers of trap music. I know trap music really comes from the 90s. It came out long before him, but he's one of those producers that really popularized it. Made it huge, mainstream. Yeah, he's got some hits, too. Hits. Some of your favorite songs from the South came from his mind. So we'll be having him on. And lastly, WWE legend, Gerald Briscoe. Half of the this Stooges. The half this of the, the Briscoe you- brothers. This is the this one you're waiting big. for. Of course, you already know. This has been my excuse. The whole point of me starting the show was just so I could have some of our favorite Attitude Era wrestlers on to ask these questions that we always wanted to know. So without further ado, follow us on Instagram. See what it's all about behind the scenes. We've got a YouTube channel, which is, I guess, 10, 20 years too late. But regardless, find it at The Ryan Show. This is The Ryan Show FM. DJ Honky Wonky is on the ones and twos. And we will be back. Honky Wonky, uh, let's go. Biggie. Uh-huh. Uh, this goes out to you. This goes out to you and you and you and you. This goes out to you. This goes out to you. This goes out to you and you and you. Uh. Your reign on the top was short like leprechauns as I crushed so-called willies, thugs, and rapidons. Uh. Get in that quick fast like Ramadan. It's that rap phenomenon. Don Dada. Papa, you got to call me Francis M.H. White intake like toast, tote Was told in shootouts, stay low and keep firing Keep extra clips for extra Who's next to flip on that cat with that grip on rap? The most shady, Frankie baby Ain't no telling where I may be May see me in D.C. at Howard Homecoming With my man Capone drumming f***ing something You should know my stilo Went from 10 G's to 30 G's a show to I never seen before, so Jesus, get off the notorious. For I squeeze and bust. If the beef between us, we can settle it with the chrome and metal. I make it hot like a kettle. Get you're delicate. You better get who sent you. You still pedals. Got more rise than great adventure. Biggie, how are you gonna do it? Do it. Kick in the door, wave in the four four. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. Kick in the door, wave in the four four. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. Kick in the door, wave in the four four. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. Kick in the door, wave in the four four. All you heard was Papa, don't hit me no more. On your mark, get set. When I spark, you wet. Look how dark it get when you mark for death. Should I start your breath or should I let you die? In fear, you start to cry. Ask why? Lyrically, I'm worship. Don't front the word sick. You cursed it. But rehearsed it, I drop unexpectedly like birds. 
you herbs get Stuck quickly for royalties and show money Don't forget the publishing, I punish them I'm done with them, son I'm surprised you run with them I think they got them Cause they nothing but Trying to blow up like nitro and dynamite sticks Mad I smoke Rock diamonds, that's sick Got paid off my flow Rhyme with my own clip Take trips to Cairo Lay in with your bitch I know you praying you was rich And brick when I see ya I'ma kick in the door Waving the 4-4 uh -huh. All you heard was Papa Don't uh -huh. hit me no more uh -huh. Kick in the door Waving the 4-4 All you heard was Papa Don't hit me no more Kick in the door Waving the 4-4 All you heard was Papa Don't hit me no more Kick in the door Waving the 4-4 All you heard was Papa Don't hit me no more. This goes out for those that choose to use disrespectful views on the king of NY. That why try throw bleach in your eye. Now you're brailing it. Slash that light. I'm scaling it. Conscience of your nonsense in '88. So more. Then Johnson and Johnson took steel like Bronson Vigilante, you wanna get on son, you need to ask me Ain't no other kings in this rap thing, they siblings Nothing but my children, one shot, they disappearing It's ill when MCs used to be on party Took home, ready to die, listen, study Now they on some money, successful out the blue They lightweight, fragile, my nine milli make the white shake That's why my money never funny, and you still recouping Stupid, stupid We are back, this is the Ryan Show FM Where we salute the DJ Appreciate DJ, how you like to follow the man? Honky, wonky it says in his bio, Hamptons, Dave It says at, first off, it's at DJ Honky Wonky on Instagram And it says that you are managing him or you're you're handling his bookings what's the deal with that yeah that's what they tell me the higher ups that's what the higher ups tell me <laughs> i'm still waiting for the first contact anybody that needs them features production he does all types of things at teaching hankawaki this is the ryan show fm if you haven't figured it out yet this is your host ryan vernell and i can be followed on Instagram at the Ryan Show, there's another handle out there. It's a little confusing. There's a million Ryan Show handles, but that's because I'm claiming territory. You should be doing the same. Much like the man that is on the mic right now, you've heard him on this platform before. It's not the first time. In fact, a few months back, our dear friend, Millennial General, aka Jonathan P. Wright, sent us over some music to review, which normally we don't really do those type of things on this program, reviewing music. And Cheeks, you know, he's got the bar set very high. Mr. Cheeks has the bar set very high. And this was the one artist that really stood out to Mr. Cheeks. So much so that he chose to interview him solo on his Instagram at the real Mr. Cheeks 132. So without further ado, give it up for the one and only Big Head Bands is in the house for the first time ever. What is good? What is good? What is good? Big Head. Got bands. <laughs> Love the name first off, too. Because it could go either way. To those that don't know, it's it's not like you have a big head. It's that you've got big head bands on the head, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I got a big ass head, too. I had a big <laughs> head since I was a little kid. I just grew into it. <laughs> well, you some know. people never do. Right. So it's a good exactly. thing that you did. And it wouldn't matter either way. You know, there's plenty. We, we had kids like that in school. You know, Hamps Dave had jokes for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Top heavy. Uh, Top heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, your story is different than many of the independent artists that we have on this program because you're already entrepreneurially successful. And that's kind of what you're not only do you speak about it in your music, but you're portraying it. Recently, I saw the photo shoot of you at this desk. So, what's the story? This is literally your desk, right? I see you at this giant 
It looks like one of these, like, uh, like who, who would you compare this to? It's like a JFK desk. It looks like a presidential desk almost, a corporate desk. What's the story yeah. behind that picture? It's very, it's very, it's very cor, it's very corporate, man. It's very corporate, man. I, I call it, I call it the, uh, I call it hip hop and horses, my hip hop and horses desk. Hip hop and horses. What? Do you, why do you call it that? What's the connection between hip hop and horses and that desk? Because me and my wife, we we run a, uh, the biggest breeding thoroughbred breeding farm in Indiana. So it's like, you know, I just mix the two in, you know, I just mix hip hop in there, you know, her grandparents started it out, you know, so we just took on a task and made it happen. And then we just took it by the tail and ran with it. No pun intended. None at all. A horse farm. And that's a crazy amount of work that goes into a horse farm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you- yeah. Is it the farm that'll sell horses for racing? What, yeah, it's how, a race. Yeah, it's a, it's a racing. Yeah, thoroughbred. Yeah, we breed them. Okay. Yeah, nice. I I just know a little we, bit. We race them and we follow them. We do all that. We we do the the the, the whole nine. That's crazy. Man. That whole there's like that's just a whole crazy business. Like I watched. Yeah. Uh, there's this. I think it's like seven days before. It's like the seven days leading up to the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just see, like, it follows, like, five breeders, you know, and trainers. And then it, it's just, like, a crazy business that, like, I never even really knew about. That Like, when they win these these horses, when they win those races, set for life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fiction. Very controversial, too. Yeah. A lot of people, especially these days, you get the animal rights activists. You're Good creating Peter. machines. Peter, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then the mistreatment of the... What's the word for it? We've teamed up with bullying buddy, so we have to be aware of the little M word or the M word. Right. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Um, what are they? They're not. No, no, it's not the word. The M, as in, I can't say little person is what little I'm saying. Person. Jockeys. I'm saying jockeys face a yeah. lot of a lot of heat right. behind the scenes. I hear a lot of abuse. Is there any truth in that? Uh, no, I, I do know the jockeys got got a, a a little fan club when they get off the horse. They got got a whole bunch of women. But I don't know nice. nothing about no abuse. A little fan club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we represent. Yeah. So wait, really quick, let's plug in. What's the name of the farm? Uh, Swifty Farms. Swifty Farms. Awesome. Now, does this tie and, into music? And we, and we retire our horses. We don't, we, don't, we don't kill nothing. We retire our horses. So those rumors are not true as well. The glue factory, Elmer is getting these old thoroughbreds. Oh, no, not, not around here. There we go. Do you ever take anything that you see on the job and then apply it or talk about it in your music? Because that's a very specific line of work. I've never heard that in any of your songs so far. Uh, in my in my new material, I kind of throw something in there about horses and stuff like that. Like, yeah, um, I got a song. I got a. Uh, it's sort of like a Jamaican song. Now I'm talking about the horse farm and stuff like that. Waking up, you know, it's just it's just a different it's just a different view because I'm I'm from the city myself, you know. Yeah, I was Ohio. gonna ask, how did you get into that business? Like, uh, how do you get into owning a horse farm? Is it just like the opportunity came, or is it the, a passion that you've had? Like, do you ride? The opp- the opportunity came, and my wife was already 
running in it. So, you know, okay. I just nice. helped my Score. wife with her stuff. You know, so we run hand in hand. She helped me, I help her. So it's like we bossed up. That's great. Because I'm sure. So are you doing things that you never imagined, like farmhand work? Oh, oh yeah. I didn't do it. Man, I'll tell you what. I didn't see, like, for real, for real, the first time I ever seen a horse had a baby, having a baby, <laughs> it 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 was something extra, dog. Like for real, for real. I I'm talking about. It felt like when the horse dropped, it felt like an engine dropping out of a car, and the whole ground shake, and you just hear the horse, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh then you see God. this 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 animal come out, man. You you, you get you, man, it's. It's a, it's a different sight, man. It just threw me for a loop, man. I, just, I, I mean, it's not just a horse. Man. Have you seen a woman give birth? Have you seen anyone give birth? I ain't never seen a woman give birth. Neither. So seeing a horse it's... give birth and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I ain't never seen a woman give birth. It's unimaginably horrifying, and it looks incredibly painful, yet somehow it's still beautiful all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I can only imagine the things that you've seen on that horse farm. So, your new single... Your new single, it's titled Faith, correct? Yeah, Faith. Now, I can imagine that this song has something to do with your faith in God, but is there is there more to it? It's something more to the same because faith brought me out of a lot of situations where I knew I was doing wrong, you know, just because, just, just, just because what I was doing in life and because me having a, a father and my father being a bishop and a pastor, you know, I jumped off the porch a little bit early in the game. So it was like, you know, everything that he installed in me was still pinging in the back of my mind while I was doing, you know, whatever. So this song is like from that. And the production value is there too. Oh yeah, I, I got to keep a I got to keep a bad boy mixing on the master. You feel me? You know what I mean? I got it, you know what I mean? I <laughs> If it ain't mixed and mastered, I ain't f-ing with it. <laughs> I can't blame you. But but not just the mix and the master, but the beat itself is very well done. So who was it that produced that song? I think it was Othello. Othello. Great reference there to the Shakespeare. I'll tell you, oh. shout out to the mixers and master, the, all the mixers and masters, because that could change. Oh, yeah. Like you hear before a good mixer, you know, somebody that's good at mixing and mastering gets a, their hand on a track. It could sound like a totally different song. And so shout out to Russell. That, that, that's my mixing master. Sorry to cut you off. No, nah, that's all my good. mixing master. And he do like real. He he's special because he do like he do like music. What you call that? He do like movie scores. Mm, so okay. it's slick okay. what he do. So he got a real good ear. So I'm really blessed to have him in my corner. Like Dave mentioned, that's what it's all about: is having a good producer that knows what they're doing behind the scenes. Because they can take, especially in this day and age with the technology that's out there, they can make not just the auto-tune, but anything sound somewhat audible. Or the opposite. Some stuff they try to make sound inaudible and almost bad, and people still want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, shouts to your your engineer that's in the studio. So we're going to get right into it. Faith by Big Headbands. And where can they check you out? I know that you're on Instagram. What other platforms can they find you right now if they were to pull over... What's the best way they can listen to more music? On every platform in America, Spotify, Apple Music. That's Pandora. it. I shouldn't even ask. It's it's obvious. Just look up Big Head yeah, Bands, okay? That's yeah, it. Big Google Head Bands with a Google Z. Them. Google me. With the Z. Google it. Let's get that Google <laughs> SEO on the rise. It's time, damn it. 
This is the Ryan right. Show FM. Big Head Bands is in the house. Follow him at Big Head Bands on Instagram. DJ Honky Wonky is about to hit it off. And when we come back, we're going to have Damon Feldman. DJ Honky Wonky. You got to keep the face. This is the Ryan Show FM. And we. I was in these streets, but I always knew the Lord was with me, man. Never left my side. I should have been dead in prison or paralyzed, but he kept me, you know what I mean? I'ma let this beat rock with you for a minute. Let it sink into your system. Let the Lord fight my battles. Let's go. Keep the faith. True story. Our north faces in the trap for weeks, just trying to make it. I was praying so hard, my knees used to burn. Knew I was doing wrong and made a wrong turn. Lord, forgive me, it was hard trying to keep the faith. I don't want to die, I don't want to catch a case. Calling Jesus' name, staring at a briefcase. Asking him to protect me, moving all this way. The streets made me cold, you can see it in my face. Losing my mind, think I'm falling from your grace. He kept me covered in the shootouts, I made it home safe. Look at me now, Lord, I done came a long way. Cause I kept the faith, like the songs say. Wash clean, no more demons on me. I do it big cause I kept the faith I do it big cause I kept the faith Watch clean, no more demons on me I do it big cause I kept the faith Yeah, from the church to the dirty blocks Serving fiends, watching out for dirty cops Killing each other over fifty dollars. I done seen dead something nigga Impala, kidnapped, raped, anything you can name. I seen it all in these streets, ain't gon' never change. Nights I couldn't sleep, crying out to the Lord. I wanna give my mom and pops what they can't afford. The struggle made a nigga strong, but it broke me too. That's what I learned. Don't let get close to you. I dodged death so many times, yeah I made it out. Look to the heavens and shout it, show me a way out. When I blew up, I invested all the money. Can't let the Killers and the crooked fans take it from me It wasn't easy getting to the top It was hell when it see so many die Too many jail visits Some of my doing life Buck Rogers Some of them paralyzed, strung out, jobless Faith is the unseen, yet I believe I can change, be forgiven, and be redeemed uh, Now I'm living my dreams Sometimes I say, Lord, I don't deserve these things His grace and mercy is why I'll never break Hands up, arms wide and we have returned. We've been waiting a long time for this moment on the Ryan Show FM. A dear friend of ours, finally, long-anticipated comeback. Right in front of our eyes, Damon Feldman, celebrity boxing president, yeah. is back on the Ryan up, Show guys? FM. Thank you so much, man. First up, he comes back on and he, uh, and he says, guys... I'm sorry to do this to you, and I totally forgot I'm at dinner. So first off, I'm sorry to you, Damon, as we bring you here on the radio. I'm sorry to interrupt the dinner. No, no, no. Listen, me and Keith are training because we're talking about business. She's really cool. And I've just been running around like a madman. But I love doing your show. You know that? Nikki Mack, you know you're my homie, and I love you. And all you guys, Matt, We got Mac Daddy here, all the producers. Great story, man. Thank you. 
Dude, you are making national headlines. Yes. Everybody's talking about this huge fight coming up. And you're the original. Let me start by saying this. Celebrity boxing has made this resurgence in the past year because of COVID-19. Everybody's talking about the Paul brothers. But it was you that was the originator of celebrity boxing all these years ago. And now after all this struggle and all of the no's and all of the BS and the celebrity dropouts, it's finally come to a full head. And this has got to be the biggest celebrity fight maybe of all time. It's right up there. Aaron Carter versus Lamar Odom. So congratulations, Damon. No, no. Hey, man. Thanks a lot. You guys have been through my grind too. And listen, the press conference is officially, keep it on your calendars. So I want you guys there April 10th. They're going to do the face-off, probably in Philadelphia. So I'm going to let you know. Oh, Philly, and, definitely. Uh, I'm really excited you guys got to come. And, yeah, you guys are phenomenal, Ryan. We've been talking for a while, and it's always great to do your stuff. Well, it's always it great, great working we with We were you. in Philly the last time we saw Damon, right? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Glockaware yeah, Studios. Right. Yeah, Glockaware Studios. That was oh, a great time. guys, man. They're, they're awesome guys, though. They are. I got to ask, though, Damon, what's it like working with these two guys? Because – you're used to this. You're used to working with celebrities when they're past their heyday per se. They're kind of in a bit of a downward spiral or whatnot. But both these guys, and, and they're going back and forth. It seems that they're really into this. Yeah. It's not like the normal celebrity fighters. They're talking smack. They're cutting promos. Dude, What's it been like working with these guys? Let me tell you something. It's been honestly just unbelievably amazing. And like I called Carter today to tell him about you know the press conference and all what I need him and all. And he's like, yeah, man. Well, yeah, Jesse says, oh, my man, you're in training? I, I dude, I was so excited. Because all the, you see all these people talking shit about him. That dude is, like, working his ass off. He's so excited. And he knows he's, a, he's in for a potential million-dollar payday here. You know what I mean? So and he, I'm just proud of the guy. And Lamar is doing his thing. It's just like you can't ask for anything better. I got to ask, though, you mentioned his training. It's going to take a lot of training to be able to stand up against a professional athlete. I mean, I, I know we all saw uh, Nate Robinson get laid out and it kind of makes the NBA players look bad or whatever, according to them. But Lamar Odom, I would imagine he's got some street fighting experience. I don't know. You would think, right? Like he's got the reach. He's got the reach for sure. But he's, he's, you know, he is, he's out for revenge for Nate. That's on his mind. But Aaron's a street fighter, you know, Lamar's, I don't know what fights he's been in. Aaron says he's been in a lot of street fights, but he is boxing with the MMA Star fighter Jesse Strader was doing a phenomenal job with him, and um, Lamar is fighting training with uh Xavier Biggs, and they're just doing phenomenal. And when it comes to Aaron Carter's street fighting, he he told you that he had been in street fights. Where did this come from? I didn't realize he was that type of guy, yeah. Man, he said he's been in well, he said he's been in a lot, and he said a lot of the funny thing on TMZ he said is. But you don't know about all the restraining orders I have. It was, it was so I can see like domestic, all types of yeah. altercations like that. But yeah, that's, no, but they, I mean, listen, they, yo, him and his girl, they, they just they have their uh, baby on the way. They just got nice. You know, I'm so proud of this guy because honestly, a lot of people talk shit and he's here, man. I mean, so far, so good. I mean, he knows both guys see what this is going to be. I can't wait to announce the referee and more Ooh. details at the press conference. So everything's on, on time. You mentioned people talking smack. How have you handled the criticism? Because, you know, one thing that comes with booking these celebrities that are kind of going through it is people say, oh, you're taking advantage of these people that are at a low point in their lives. Yeah. How have you handled that criticism? I just say thank you for watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. The bottom line is, like, you know, these guys are out 
for redemption, comebacks, and they're doing a great, unbelievable job. And there's always going to be people talking crap. Yeah. But, you know, I look at it like so. This is better than celebrity rehab. Remember back in the day they had, uh, what was his name? The doctor that would just end up Drew, pretty Dr. much Drew. killing Dr. Drew. It seemed like he was just killing off all these like celebrities that were going over there. Somehow something terrible would happen to him. But what you're doing is essentially rehabilitation. So you're getting these guys healthy. They're training. They're about to make money. So from an yeah, outside getting more sense, marketing, you know, yeah, you're helping these guys good. out. You know what's funny? It's funny you say that. And um, also, so both guys have been on Dancing with the Stars, all these reality shows. Uh, listen, Lamar was on the biggest reality show of all time for six years. Yep. And, you know, Aaron just had his own show with his mom. And that, this is Battle of the Dancing with the Stars. Oh, I'm so pumped. <laughs> like, you can't even get to a higher level right now in this, you know? Well, hopefully Aaron does. Hopefully he can reach that high. I'm excited to see it, though. And I do believe yeah. in Eric Carter because I wouldn't put it past the guy. Anyone that, you know, he's an emotional guy. I've seen the rants. I've seen the promo. So, look, I'm rooting for the underdog in this. I, I know that Cheeks is going to be mad at me for saying this. All day. Uh, of course. Lamar Odom all day. Lamar it's going to be tough. Lamar is one of my favorite basketball players Queens of only. all time. But it's David versus Goliath here. This is to Ryan. On the Ryan show right here, you got to start a line. Who do you think is going to win? Give the like, give people the tune. We can't do lines because it's entertainment. We don't do betting. But, you know, let's, let's get the public's opinion. Right here on the Ryan show, you do it. And let's see what people think. This sounds good to me. Sounds perfect. We'll put that in the Instagram story. At the Ryan Show, we've got Damon Feldman, president, CEO of Celebrity Boxing here. He's putting together the ultimate celebrity fight. It's going to be mayhem. And I, I, we got to let the guy get back to dinner. We, we got, I was so going to say, he took time out of his Sorry, nice man, dinner I, day. Dude, I, I love coming on your show. You know that, man. I always get a good results out of it, and I appreciate it. And we appreciate you, Damon, not just for pulling our favorite celebrities out of whatever dark corners they're in to fight one another. But for making an appearance on this show, as always, everybody needs to go check out this fight. It might be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, celebrity fight, real celebrities, celebrity fight of all time. Aaron Carter, pop star versus Lamar Odom. Damon, I have to thank you, my good brother, for coming on again. Thank you. Send me a link and I'll push it everywhere, guys. Thanks for having me. DJ Honky Wonky is on Instagram, but more importantly, he's on the ones and twos. This is the Ryan Show FM, and we will be back. Today's agenda, got the suitcase up in the central. Go to room 112, tell them Blanco sent you. Feel the strangers, if no money exchanges. I got these kids in ranges, believe them brainless. All they told is stainless, you just remain as calm as possible. Make the deal go through, if not, here's 12 shots. We know how you do, please make your killings clean. Slugs up in between, they eyes like true lies, kill them and flee the scene. Just bring back the coke or the cream, or else your life is on the shelf. We mean this, Frank. The cats we fing with put bombs in your mom's gas tank. Let's get this money, baby. They shady, we get shady. Dress up like ladies and burn them in dirty 380s. Then they come to kill our babies. That's all out. I got gats that blow the wall out, clear them all out. The fallout, word to stretch. I bet they the seven digits push me. Real, here's the deal. I got a hundred bricks, 14.5 a piece. Enough to cop six, buy the house on the beach. Supply the piece with Jeeps, brick a piece. Capiche, everybody getting cream, no one considered the leech. Think about it now, that's damn near 1.5. I kill them all, I'll be set for life. Frank, pay attention, these motherfuckers is henchmen. Renegades, if you die, they still get paid. Extra probably, the robbery. I'm the boss. 
promise you won't rob him, I promise But of course, you know I have my fingers crossed Niggas bleed just like us Picture me being scared of a nigga that breathe the same air as me Niggas bleed just like us Picture me being shook, we could both pull burners, make the motherfucker even just like us Picture the hiding my life in that man's hands while he just decided Bleed just like us I'd rather go toe to toe with all of y'all Running ain't in my protocol uh. Since it's on, I call my Arizona Ron from Tucson Push the black Yukon Usually had the slow grooves on Mostly rock the Osley Stupid as a youngin' chose not to move wisely Sharper with game, him and his crooks called the Jooks Heard it was sweet, about 350 a piece Ron bought a truck, two bricks laid in the cut His peeps got bucked, got locked the f*** up That's when Ron vanished, came back, speaking Spanish Lavish habits, two rings, 20 carats, here's a criminal Made America's most, killed his baby mother brother Slit his throat, then got back with the toast Weed it, took it to trial, beat it Now we feel he undefeated, he mean it Nothing to lose, tattooed around his gun wounds Everything to gain, embedded in his brain And me, I feel the same for this money you're dying Especially if my daughter crying, I ain't lying Y'all know the same, I bleed just like us Picture me being scared of a nigga that breathe the same air as me Niggas bleed just like us Picture me being shook, we could both pull burners Make the motherfucker be Niggas bleed just like us Picture a nigga hiding my life in that man's hands while he just decided Bleed just like us I'd rather go toe-to-toe -to -toe with all of y'all Running ain't in my protocol We agreed to go and shooting is silly Because niggas could be hiding in showers with Mac Billy So I freaked them The telly manager was Puerto Rican Gloria from Astoria I went to war with her peeps in 91 Stole a gun from my workers And they took drugs, they tried to jerk us We blazed they place, long story Glow seat my face, got shook Thought a Coming for the safe, now she breaking. Shut up, 112, what's shaking? A Jamaican, some bitches, I swear, they look gay in a black. Range Rover been outside all day. If it's trouble, let me know, I'll be on my way. Please, I got kids to feed. I done see you make bleed. Nightmares this don't need. Wrong, get the gasoline. This spot, we bout to blow this. Get the cash before the cops and Range Rover cats know this. Room 112, right by the staircase. Perfect place where they evacuate. They meet their fate. Wrong, pass the gasoline and then the pass the kerosene. What it is flammable, my hunger is unexplainable. Strike the match. Just what I expected, the dread kid ejected in seconds And here come two opposite sexes, one black, one Malaysian We in the hallway waiting patient As soon as she hit the door, we start blasting I saw her brains hit the floor, wrong laughing, I swear to God I hit Maxi Priest at least 12 times in the chest Spit the round shot, chick in the breast She crying, headshots put her to rest Pop open no briefcases, nothing but Franklin faces Spots, hot sprinklers, alarm system That's when other guests start to slipping It's time for us to get the dipping I know them niggas in the ranges on their way up flipping Pistol gripping, I know the clipping The hallway got real loud and crowded They walk right past us, I don't know how they allowed it The funny thing about it, through all the excitement They range got told, they double parked by a hydrant And we have returned This is the Ryan Show FM and it is good to be here This is your host, Ryan Vernell And... I know a lot of fans have been wondering, why? Why have, uh, have you guys taken this turn? Usually you have rappers on. Usually you have all types of people that are associated with modern day pop culture. Well, I'll tell you why. Because on this program, I bring on the people that mean a lot to me. The people that I want to hear, yeah. <laughs> that I want to see. That's why it's called The Ryan Show, all right? And with, uh, without further ado, our next guest is a living legend. 
one of the great entertainers of our time, and he's entertained a variety of different generations. Not just the kids today, not just kids back when we were kids, although I like to still consider myself a kid at times during the Attitude Era, but also one of the pioneers in professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, give it up for the one and only half of the Briscoe brothers, half of the Stooges. He's now enjoying retirement, I hope. Jerry Briscoe is in the building. And it is oh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Man, what what an introduction! I, I don't know if I did. You know, I, I did. You know, I just don't go on any show. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, when when I got the text message, you know, inviting me on your show, what am I going to do? I'm not going to sit there. And, oh man, that sounds great. You know, I'm just going to get on. I'm going to do some research. I couldn't then believe after it. After I started doing some research, man, I said. Why do they want this old white guy on this rap show? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say about me. They say, what is this little white guy doing this rap show for? Yeah. Yeah. Th- we, we like yeah. to say we bridge the gap. We listen to hip hop. I watch wrestling. We do a little bit of everything. So, I mean, it's definitely when, when Nora, our producer said, you know what? He answered the message. I was like, wait, what? Jerry Briscoe answered the message in the DMs. And we were wondering, like, is it you that literally is in there running the account and doing your own PR? Yes, it's me. Uh, it, uh, I got it. it's true. It's true. Oh, it's true, as Kurt Angle would say. You know, I'm. <laughs> I, 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 you know, you know, it's just a challenge. I mean, you know, I, I'm a mold. I'm 74, almost 75, friggin' years old, and all this new technology coming. I got over. You know, all these guys are bitched about. You know, we're working with no people in the audience. Where the hell? That's how I broke in the damn uh, business. You know, I mean. When we did our TVs in early Oklahoma, we did them in studios. There were 10 to 25 people in those damn studios, you know. So we had to work to learn how to work, not for the pop, but for the audience, the TV audience. And we had to we had to feel that, you know, when we were doing something. And, you know, so all these kids now, I think they're getting great experience by not, not having people in there. So when the people return, these these uh, these kids are going to be so much better. They won't believe it. How did I get so much better? But because they're working from inside now. They're not just working for that pop out there. I never really thought of it that way, but I guess they are going to have to step it up that much more. And then in return, they're going to be that much better when the audience is there. So you've seen it all, though, from the beginnings when there were these tapings and barely any audience to now where it's almost a cinematic approach. It's kind of like watching a movie. They come out, they come out my house and did one of those. I did a scene from that swamp match out to my house and I watched them put that on. I mean, it was like a, like going to, a, to Universal Studios or somewhere like that and watching them film a movie. All these people running around doing all this stuff. You know, when I remember the old days, man, you go into a TV, there was a cameraman, there was a producer. There was maybe, if you're lucky, a truck, and there were maybe even two cameramen and an announcer and a ring announcer. And that was it. It was, you know, about less than a dozen people to film a TV show that that reached at that time, you know, millions of people also, you know. An evolution that you've seen in professional wrestling. I mean, not only were you, I don't want to say real life wrestling, you were college wrestling, right? NCAA, Oklahoma State. Uh, but you've seen it all, like from the beginning when it was the, when it were these territories, 
And I know a lot of our audience doesn't know what I'm talking about, but I like to study into this stuff and what it was like back in the day. And there were these territories and Vince McMahon kind of just took over all of these territories. And you've witnessed this whole evolution of the sport from back then to what it is now to like essentially movies, like you said, where there's a full on production team and essentially it's gone Hollywood. When you were starting out, did you ever imagine that it would be taken this far and would be such a, a high quality production? Uh, let, let me say this, you know, uh, uh, when I, when I left Oklahoma State University, got in, got into the professional ranks. Uh, there, you know, the business was in such a transition at the time because I came in in, in, in the late sixties, and there were a lot of old timers like Luther, Gene Kaniski, all these guys. They were at the twilight of the career. The Buddy Rogers, the guys at the, the Tolises, the uh, Dominic, the Deducci's, you know, even they they were old and I was coming in. And so I was I was transitioning out of college just really at the right time. So not only did I get to see that generation before me that, that had entertained, you know, two or three generations before, uh, before me, you know, decades before me, you know, back going back to the forties and, and the late, even thirties, some of these guys. So I, I, I got to witness how they got over on their own. I mean, you think back and you, you've done research. I've heard you show it. You've done the research. You should see those uh, Comiskey parks where they're having 30 and 40,000 people. You know, these fans think, you know, wrestling was born in 1983. Hell, in 19 and, and the 40s, they were putting 50, 60,000 people mm-hmm. at Comiskey Park in Chicago, you know, and, uh, and, uh, wow. and places in uh, Wrigley Field and places like that. You know, it wasn't unheard of. And so, uh, so yeah, I've seen, I've seen the evolution. And I, you know, as an athlete, you think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be the one that draws that type of, of crowd, you know? So, but you, you start out, you know, I started out in little Oklahoma, worked those little towns there. I was lucky if there was a 200 people at a high school gym. So, you know, I always had that wish and that, that thought that maybe it will happen, but you never knew. And then as, as time started going on, you know, I saw the evolution of cable TV. That yeah. cable TV was the biggest, uh, biggest uh, heel that ever came into our business as far as territories were concerned. Those promoters were smart back in those days. They knew yeah. what cable TV was mm-hmm. going to do. And when you're filling up an arena with 65,000 people, then there's a pretty good chance that it's going to do well on cable television. So there you have it. Yeah, and they, they, they were so worried, you know, when cable TV, especially when, you know, when we got into Georgia and uh, we started expanding a little bit, the phone started ringing off of, you're not coming to my territory. Are your show, you know, TBS is at, at our, at our town really strong. You know, could we send some of our talent to you? So we had promoters calling us to use our vehicle to promote their territory. Mm-hmm. And, and then they'd end up, you know, if some of the guys get there and they like what they saw, they'd want to say, then the promoters get all the, hey, I pitch, send my guy out there and you steal the damn guy. We'll pay your guy better. Maybe he won't want to leave you. <laughs> what was it like making that transition from being a real wrestler and really competing? And back then, not everybody knew that any of it was fixed or anything like that. You had to kind of keep up that illusion when you go from place to place. Those that know, know, you know, I mean, I remember watching a kid and I thought it was real. I think the Undertaker, I thought yeah. was an actual dead person 
that came out like that looking for back. revenge. A hundred percent. So Kane, I really thought Kane was, you know, his brother was burnt. Like you could never tell me that these stories weren't real. Even if even if you, I had somebody say, yeah, you know, when I when when I came out, you know, all my friends, you know, from from Oklahoma State, the wrestling team, you know, I, they were all for me. They they knew what kind of fan I was, and you yeah. know, guys, I mean, I, I, you know, Danny Hodge, my brother Jack Briscoe, I mean, you know, NCAA champions, you know, uh, guys that that are trophies are are named after them. They they, they came into professional wrestling, but. You know, I had I had those guys also. They you know, what the hell are you gonna do that fake shit for? I said I'm gonna go make some money. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do it professionally, literally. Yeah. So uh, you know, when I when I, I had I had uh, pros and cons, you know, uh, coming at me, but uh, I it was something I've been want I wanted to do since I was a kid because I was a fan just like everybody else. I was one of those magazine marks too. They would go down to the corner drugstore. Stand there and tell the damn owner of the drugstore, kick me out, you know, rifle through his <laughs> damn wrestling magazine to see see why who was who. And I tell you, uh, funny things about those things, you see somebody in there, and I, I, you, you've seen those old magazines, the cover was usually somebody that had blood all over them. I mean, blood gore yeah. all over and usually, you know, Brute Bernard, you know, was one of the, the strong heels back in those days. He'd beat the crap everybody, and they'd they have blood all over them. And man, that's real blood, you know. And it is oh, yeah. real blood, you know. They just did it. They just got it a different way, you know. Blame <laughs> themselves. But uh, those damn guys. And it, I was in the business probably six to eight months before I really found out about blood. You know, I mean, where it comes, <laughs> I, I walking down. I never will forget where it was. That's how impactful it was in, in my life. I. I was I wasn't even in the business yet. I was on spring break. My brother, of course, was three years, four years ahead of me and started in the business. So during spring break, I would go on a loop with him, you know, and kind of watch and see. Well, at that time, Danny Hodge was wrestling uh one of his big rivals there. I forgot who it was, Danny Jack Donovan, I believe. Every night Hodge would come out of that ring bleeding. And I would, well, how in the hell? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a college wrestler. I know what I what I see. I mean, just just like any smart mark out there. They, yeah, I was that was a smart mark. You know, I knew it, yeah. it, was, it was real blood. But how, how where in the hell did it come from? So I finally get the balls to ask my brother. When I we're walking, we we go. We were in Little Rock, Arkansas. We walked to this bar after after the matches. Going to bar, we have a few drinks. I'm getting some courage in me. So we're walking <laughs> back to the hotel. Finally, I look at Jack and he said, what do you think? And I said, man, I love, I love this. Shit, but I got one question. <laughs> Every night, Danny Hodge has been busted open. Every night, Danny Hodge bleeds. And I hadn't seen a punch that landed on him that would make me bleed. And I'm wondering, you know, my hero, Danny Hodge, how the hell is he bleeding off of these damn punches? And that was when my brother first told me about, you know, the blade. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought they were friggin' insane. You know, they do what? And, you it's know, dangerous. And, I, I know that everyone does it, but if you miss just an inch, you can really hurt yourself, right? Oh, man. Oh, I've, I've seen like what, what we call gushers, you know, in, in, in the ring where these guys, you know, and they're just, I mean, they're, they're, they're bleeding out, you know. So, so to the listeners out there, that's just shooting out there on every heartbeat, oh it's shooting. 
So literally, there's listeners out there that don't know what that term means. Blading is literally taking a blade and then you you cut your your forehead to get the blood to come out. And there's a specific vein that you have to aim for that makes it pump out. Is that how it works? That's how it works. It's right here. It's like a little artery that's coming down here. Your forehead, as you know, your top of your head has a lot of uh, vein endings up there. So you, 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 you. And that's reading Dusty Road and all the guys. There was a certain spot in their head that was like a gash you know, up there. Crazy, crazy stuff. But I made up my mind real early in the business. You know, I, I'm going to try to get around that. My brother and I talked, and if you'll go back and hit, I think my Jack, Jack and I were probably two of the only guys in the business that were never, never covered with blood after every match. Because we, we had a certain way to sell, you know, sell the holds and sell our opponents where they were happy with that. And, and we didn't have to go to, to the juice. And, uh, very and wise we decision. were actually told by Eddie Graham, the promoter down here, don't ever get juice because you guys sell too much. If you get juice and you sell the way you sell, you're going to be dead, you know. It's overkill. Although us sickos do like to see it. Yeah. And to those that are tuning in right now for the first time, this is the Ryan Show FM. We have legendary wrestler Jerry Briscoe in studio with us now, half of the Briscoe brothers. And Jerry's brother, Jack, I never realized this, Jerry, that your brother Jack was the first uh, man of Native American descent, if that's what you'd call it, uh, to ever win the NCAA wrestling championship all the way back in 1965 i had no idea that you guys even had native american ancestry that's exactly right jack was the first native american to, uh to win a ncaa thailand and, and a uh, world championship in wrestling also and so uh, uh you know that that was actually on the road i mean we were in that old trail of terror, a little bit of history you know back in andrew jackson days where that manifest destiny. They, the all white men wanted to take over our land, so they they force marched us out to Oklahoma, you know, and uh, you know, in like three days, made us march all that way out there, you know, a bunch of, and a bunch of our ancestors uh, died on the way, but my ancestors were tough some bitches, and they Apparently. made it all the way out there, and you know, we were we rewarded. They gave us a little bit of land, but we were on. They had to sign a document called the Dawes document, and my family's history is on that Dawes document. My great 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 grandmother was like number twelve hundred and sixty-five or something like that on the Dawes. I mean, uh, wow, it's all in, in history. But we, you know, we we turned out so many uh, opportunities to make big money to dress up like Native Americans, but we just had too much pride in, in, in our heritage to do that. That's great, that because not everybody did. There were some wrestlers that did give in to those gimmicks, and not just Native Americans, but others too. And that just shows you guys made all of that without making that a thing at any point. I had no idea. So, and what well, we made sure. We made sure guys like Gordon Soley knew about it so he yeah. could talk about it. You know, they have that Native American fighting spirit. You know, when we were getting mm. beat down, you know, they have that Native American never give up spirit. You know, they're going to fight until the very end. So we always told the announcers they were so important. Guys like Gordon Soley and Jim Ross, they were so important to our business. So we wanted them to know what point on us that would make us stronger. And they, they would go out and they would emphasize that. And good old, good old Gordon Soley, he preached it to everybody that was on, you know, his listening to his broadcast. 
And they knew that we were Native American, but they also knew we had the pride where we would go out and embarrass ourselves too. And the rest is history. You guys went on to become one of the most decorated tag teams in professional wrestling history, the Briscoe Brothers. And not only were you very decorated champions, but you were quite the businessmen as well. And you had your own territory, your own or your own uh, federation down in Florida. How did that all come to be? And you ended up in control of your own federation. Well, in those days, if a, if a promoter got a hold of some talent that he really liked and was really beneficial to him making more money, and, you know, because, you know, a little place like Florida and Oklahoma and Georgia, they're small. So, uh, you know, you, you can wear out your welcome pretty quick unless you're able to evolve your, your yourself, and I won't say character, but we were characters. We were the Briscoe brothers. So we had to evolve that character of the Briscoe brothers. So, uh, if you didn't, you had to move on. So a promoter that knew he had, had a gold mine and he would come up he would get, okay, I'm going to, I'm going I'm to give you 5% of the territory or 2% of the territory or something like that. So that, and we just kept negotiating that until uh, we had control of the territory because smart. they wanted us to say they didn't want us to go to other places. And that decision really shaped history because it gave Vince control over most of these territories, or at least that's what I've read. So when you were selling to Vince, did you know that you would end up at WWF working with him? No, and that's something I laugh at all the time. Everybody says, well, you did you, uh, when you sold out, uh, sold out Georgia to Vince and he give you a lifetime contract, Vince don't give lifetime contracts. <laughs> he give lifetime contracts on people who can, uh, as long as you're drawing, making him money and drawing him money. That's the length of your contract. As soon as you're, as soon as you're, and that's any promoter and on, and on hip hop or rap or anything, as soon as you're finished yeah. drawing them money, it's the next thing, you know. So, uh, but what made us sell to Vince was, was the whole Madrid of things. Vince does take a lot of criticism from that, just about how he's so ruthless in running his business. I guess it's why he's gotten this far, but just the way that he lets people go. And as a fan of these guys that you've been watching for all of these years, I mean, how long were you a part of WWE? I was with WWE 36 years, 1983 uh, or 84, I guess it was. Uh, 36. You know, we, we made yeah. we made our deal to uh, to sell to Vince. And the reason we did is, you know, we knew what was going on. And we had the vision to, <coughs> excuse me, the same vision that basically Vince had, you know, to, to, to go out uh, and spread across the country. And so uh, – we we had that vision, but we also had some partners that uh, that really uh, didn't want to step on. The NWA was such a close and tight uh, organization. I mean, they were they were they were they were they were a bunch of crooks and thieves, but they had honor among the crooks and thieves, where they wouldn't uh, steal from each other. So they had that mm. agreement where they wouldn't wouldn't step on it. And when uh, when uh, TBS Georgia Championship Wrestling and uh, the super station got so big, got cables started going all over the United States. Like I said, promoters were scared to death that we we're, especially when we went into Michigan and started selling out every city in there, went into Ohio, started selling out there, West Virginia, Kentucky, 
But though we reason we went into those places because the sheik had already killed them, the old sheik, not the iron sheik, but the sheik had with the one going in trying to set up the buildings and all the deals and everything. The sheik had owed these guys hundreds of thousands of dollars and us coming in, you know, there was just another wrestling promotion that you know, we're going to get screwed again. So it was very difficult to get in. But all the other promoters across the country were scared to death that we were going to do the same thing. But our business partners uh, didn't want to do it. And Jack and I kept looking, hey, man, you know, we're, we're doing good everywhere we go. You know, let's go in. And we couldn't get it going. We saw what Vetch was doing. All right, if our partners won't do it, we'll find somebody that will do it. And we made the, made the call to Vetch. And uh, Vetch set up a meeting and pretty soon we're partnered for a while. And the rest is history. And this is actually a perfect time to transition quickly into a break. And when we come back, there's a lot more to talk about, including the era that you were involved in, which we were so addicted to as children. It really shaped us. The Attitude yeah. Era. We're going to get into, uh, into the backstory between you and a few other legends that you discovered. Because I'm sure not a lot of people know about the connections to you and the great Hollywood, as, uh, as you see in the picture on our Instagram, if you've seen uh, but yes, Jerry Briscoe is in studio. And real quick, uh, what's the Instagram for those that are listening right now to follow to, to check more of you out? The FG Briscoe and then the FG Briscoe on Twitter. And uh, and uh, we're on the YouTube, me and, uh, and story with uh, Bradshaw and uh, and uh, Briscoe and Bradshaw on everything. He just got us on. I can't even name everything he got. I told him the hardest job, he told me how hard it was to get us on everything. It's the hardest job you're going to have, John, is trying to teach me how to operate all that crap there. So, but Bradshaw. we're on that story with Briscoe and Bradshaw. We we had a, a free bird reunion last week. We had the great Stan Laird Hanson on. We, we've had so many great guests on. And plus, John and I just sat around and bullshit sometimes when we can't get anybody to come on. What a duo. That is awesome to see that you two are doing a podcast together. Definitely well, got to check that one out. one that I signed, you know, I tell you, he tells the story. I signed him in the, uh, the shower in uh, Bethlehem, PA, <laughs> when I, we brought him in for a tryout. I, the next night, he was going down to WCW, and I knew if Dusty Rhodes uh, got a look at this guy, that Dusty would sign him at a drop of the hat, you know, He's because John was that talented. So. Vince was getting ready to do do he was doing commentating at the time, and I was I was head of talent, so I, I put uh, John and Savio Vega. You remember Savio Vega? Oh yeah, a great Puerto Rican uh, performer. Man, the kid is just fantastic, and uh, and so I knew John would have a good match with him. And uh, they went out and they just tore the house down. And Vince was sitting in, in his uh, makeup chair getting ready to go on. And they, after the next match, I said, Vince, I said, I just had a kid from Cowboy, a big cowboy from Texas. Uh, he, he tore the house down. I, I want to sign him now because tomorrow he's got a tryout at WCW. And I know if they see him, they'll, they'll want to sign him. And this is the kid that we need. And he said, well, if you feel that strongly about him, go offer him something. So I went and chased him down and got him to sign. And then this was before the days of cell phones. So there was a bank of uh, pay phones. And all you kids out there, listen, guys, we usually have to go to a telephone, put a quarter in the damn thing, and dial the damn number to get to somebody. 
So I followed him over to that phone booth bank and gave him a quarter. I said, call, call WCW and tell him you ain't coming tomorrow. <laughs> there we go. And that's and how you so went he to went to close the door. He went to close the door and I kicked the damn door open. I said, no, I want to hear it. <laughs> that is amazing. So there's a story for you. The Acolytes, the APA. Legend, future champion that you discovered there. But we're going to get back, get into more. This is the Ryan Show FM. Legendary Jerry Briscoe in studio tonight. And we will return. And you know what? Jerry, we might as well ask, is there a hip-hop song you like? <laughs> I, just, I just play anything, man. I like all music. <laughs> Good political answer. This is the Ryan Show FM. And we will be back. Yes, sir. We're going to do it like this, yo. Yo, I'm an animal. Death jammable. Titanical. Flammable, don't gas me. I live near Amico. I'm eating boy, identical to Hannibal. And my antidote, I prescribed it. Since you're all on my wood, log in. I advise them, sterilize them. His ear wasn't clear to hear the album. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what you people gonna do without him. I am the These haters gonna run around talk about him. I am Nuts on the chick butt She got a sister, I got a mixed up My car inside is dark, tipped up The door is suicide, wrist cut Yeah, I'm a Riddler, you can't see me If I was Avatar in 3D Hit the T-O-P-C-Z Your career like George, knee deep You can hee-hee, but I'm a high-high Next to Lady Gaga in the iPod Lear, giving the captain a high-five I'm a fly guy, why not? I'm like Tata, I rock music I'm trying to be set for life like a Jew kid And me not running a block like a new kid That's like, oh, not doing blueprints yeah. I don't know what you people gonna do without him I know And these haters gonna run around talk about him I know So I keep getting money and keep it rocking I Now I'm a sick oven, like a bad cold Mr. Unforgettable, Matt Cole You can't witness none of it from the back row Again, move up and walk with my foot And follow my ingredients like a cookbook Let me show you how to hustle, look, look I even got some of the oil that Bush took Me shook, look, that is not me I feel cocky like Rocky, part three When I speak White girls jock me, they know I rush Limbaugh for the, for, the, for, the, for the Pardon me, partner, you find out that I'm a ladies man Leon Phelps, Gat Man, I'll blow your mind out With the nigga in my Louis Vuitton belt yeah, I don't know what you people gonna do without him I am And these haters gonna run around talk about him I am So I keep getting money and keep it rocking and we have returned. I think that's Jerry Briscoe's favorite hip hop song. That's it. You it, man. Thank you. DJ Honky Wonky, you did it again. I'm coming on your show because you do so much research. You have the right questions. You have the right in and out music for me. You have the right boppers. I mean, what else could a guest ask for, man? 
Thank you. I really do my best. For those that are just tuning in, this is The Ryan Show FM, and we're sitting down with professional wrestling icon Jerry Briscoe. We spent the first part of the interview talking about his contributions to the sport of wrestling and how he owned his territory, teaming up with Vince McMahon. Many people that are my age, though, Jerry, are familiar with the Attitude Era Jerry Briscoe. And growing up, we didn't have access to the internet like right now. We can just look things up. I mean, we could, but it would. when you're in third grade, you're not thinking about that. So I knew you as, as the bumbling stooge that was following around Vince McMahon causing trouble when he was giving Stone Cold Steve Austin a hard time. And I wondered, it just seems so organic between you, Pat Patterson, and Vince McMahon. How did that all come uh, to fruition? You said the key word organic. That's the reason it got over because it was so organic. And it got, we, we just, we, it's one of these creative things that, that everybody wants to take credit for that I thought of. I thought, of, but it just, honestly, it happened by accident in Chicago, Illinois. We, uh, Vince, you know, we're trying to figure out something to do on Stone Cold Steve Austin, of course. You know, our, our main nemesis during the Attitude Era kicked my ass every night of the week and twice on Sundays. <laughs> and so, man, and, and, and I'll, I'll get into working with that. Don't forget to ask before we go off about working with Stone Cold. But uh, anyway, we, yeah, we that's, I, I need that. that I'm going to have a, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're writing the show. And how can we set up this segment? Well, okay, well, I'm going to say I'm calling a board of directors meeting, and so you two guys are going to come in, and we weren't members of the board of directors. You know, we weren't smart enough for that. <laughs> so, uh, so, but they filmed it as we were, we were board members of Vince's board of directors. So, uh, you know, it started out because J.R. had so much respect for me, Pat. He didn't want to call us stooges, you know, and, uh, and so uh, – he would call us associates, Vince McMahon's associates, is the right. first nickname that we had with it. And finally, you know, we, you know, back in those days, because we were up against WCW, we used to get the, we'd do Monday Night Raw, and the next day, you know, they were doing their uh, uh, WCW show, and the next night, we all office people would be handed these uh, these memos that had to break down minute by minute, you know, the ratings, how they could move up and down. I mean, people would be amazed to watch the minute by minute ratings of, of a two-hour two show at that must time. Have been, must have been something else to see because that's what it was like. I remember the kid, he was flashing back between the two channels to see yep. who's fighting. Yeah, yeah see who's on and see who's going to entertain you for a segment there. So, uh, so anyway, they kept noticing that every time Pat and Vince and I, the three of us, were on together – that the damn ratings would go up a little bit, you know, and then sometimes when, when it was just Pat and I doing something goofy, you know, together the ratings would start to spike a little bit, and hey, we're on to something, you know, so we just automatically just kept going, and it was organic, like you say, because nothing was ever planned with that. We were basically given a free reign on what we could say and how we could act and what we could do. Wow, so that was improv. But you could kind of tell that a lot of those guys back then were just kind of coming off the cuff. That whole locker room was just so creative. Yeah, just energy, with everybody. Like you said, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, Triple H, Shawn Michaels. The right? Undertaker. The Undertaker. Yeah, The Undertaker. Kane. Kane, yeah. I mean. Paul Bear. <laughs> Paul Bear, another great manager. That's one thing that I feel kind of lacks now. There's just not 
as many memorable managers like there were back in the day. What would you guys consider yourselves back then? I, I guess kind of like Vince's in a, in a way managers like coming out bodyguard. to the We played as bodyguards basically. You know, nobody was going to get to the CEO because they had to come through us Let's first. But I, I, I tell you, getting in the ring with, with Stone Cold, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, was brutal because put yourself in our, our position. I mean, I was in my fifties at the time and Pat was pushing 60 at the time. So we're old, f-ers, you know, we're, we're we can't take them bumps like, but you know, you're, you're, you're in there, you're, you're in a ring competing against, you know, 30 year old guys that that's trying mm. to get over, trying to feed their family, trying to get to that next level. That's a different type of stunner. Are they going to take it easy on yeah. anybody that's put in front of them? Hell no, they're going to go through them like you know you're 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 like like you know anybody else would. You know, and I don't blame them. They were, all, I mean, it was competitive to get on top in those days. So that, like you said, that locker room, you walk in there and it's a who's who of a professional wrestling or sports entertainment from the Rock on down, you know, to the Brooklyn Brawler, whatever his name was. So, so it was brutal being in the ring with these guys because so to say they didn't pull any punches they would hit you as hard as they would if they were working against each other so that's insane that they wouldn't hold any i guess they figure you can take a bump though because well, you are they, jerry briscoe they, they knew we knew how to take a bump and you know what we were taking bumps better than some of the talent that's the reason we were yeah. in there with them so much if some yeah. cool also could have got over with brooklyn brawler as good as he would have got over me why wasn't he in there with brooklyn brawler there had to be a reason because Vince yeah. is, a, is a wise businessman. Like you said, he's not going to put anybody with his franchise that he, he don't think can't get him over. So, you know, Patterson Briscoe, they were great in their time, but you know, we're two old men now, but we fooled everybody. We got our asses over. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I used to I used to play as you guys in the video games back in the day and just want, romp on people with you guys. That was the biggest thrill I ever had. I got to tell you that. You know, the first time they told me I was going to be on a video game, I mean, not on me, but my son, Wes, who, you know, followed me into the business. He, I mean, he was old enough. My other son, Joe, he wasn't old enough at the time, but. You know, I mean, wow, his kid friend, hey, your dad, I'll play your dad on the video. Game. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. That was cool. Yeah, that was, that was, a, by the way, a classic. I don't know if they've made a video game, a wrestling video game as good since the wrestling, I think it was WrestleMania 2000 classic, <laughs> just a classic roster too. Now, what do we have planned? It's, it's 2021. You've done all this. I read some crazy number that you were traveling, like how many weeks of the year were you on the road still? At 73 last year, you were during a pandemic, 26 weeks on the road, something crazy. You read that right. And, it, it, you know, wrestling season is, is I mean, you, you do the collegiate wrestling season. As soon as that collegiate wrestling season is over with the international wrestling season to start. So, you know, all these international guys, there's only so many, I mean, collegiate wrestling, you know, schools everywhere. So you got to go everywhere. I was. I was averaging probably 150,000 miles a year uh, and 26 weeks out of the, out of the year. So uh, I was busy. So uh, it was time, you know, and, and I, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a very positive man. I, I, I hate negatives even close to my life. Yeah. You know, I just can't stand it. So uh, I'm very positive. So I, I look at this. I look at this challenge now. You know, Vince and I agreed to uh, agree that you know my tenure of 30, 36 years was 
was great. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what I accomplished. And I was in there watching Raw a while ago. Bobby Lassie's one of the guys I brought out of the U.S. Yeah. Army Elite Wrestling Team. When wow, he was I didn't still, realize that you discovered yeah. Lassie. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's one. Of, he's one. Of, he's one of the Bristol boys that they proudly call themselves. You know, where did and, uh, you discover Lashley? How did that go down? Well, Ashley was uh, actually a, a friend of mine at USA Wrestling. He's a beast. Like I said, Ashley was on the uh, elite Army Wrestling team, uh, and uh, they were training out Colorado Springs. So I had a friend at USA Wrestling said, "Hey, I got this dude out here that uh, that's a beast." I mean, Bobby was a beast back then. You go back and look at pictures of him back then. He was a beast. And, he said, he, he, he'd like to check out Raston. Can you help me out? So I sent me a picture. Damn, he, he, he sent, faxed me a picture of Lashley, and he was a beast. Mm -hmm. I, I called Bobby right away, and I had him on the next uh, next bus out, next plane out to uh, Louisville to try him out at OVW. And, and, of course, he made it and made me proud. But then, you know, we go on to, to Lasner. I mean, it started out with Hulk Hogan, you know. Back That's the biggest find of all time. So what's the story behind you discovering Hulk Hogan? He was it. He used to come because he was a, such a big fan of uh, my brother and myself and of Florida Championship Wrestling. And he used to come and he used to sit in, a, in the back row about uh, you know, uh, the old Tampa Armory down here. So, you know, you, when you go out to the ring, kind of look around, you always see this big guy sitting in the back. So holy shit. So never really made a connection to one night where we're coming in from a trip and, you know, we're thirsty and we want a little, little cold brew. So there's this club out by university out in South Florida, out, out, out on the other side of town. So we pull in there and walk in. We I look up on that band stand here, this band, and here's this big ass guy up there playing a guitar, a bass yeah, guitar. That's a big guitar player. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <clears throat> so we asked the little barmaid, hey, uh, that guy up there playing the bass, uh, we'd like to talk to him. And uh, she said, well, he's, one of, he's my next door neighbor, actually. So she went up and told him, and they took a break. And then a break, we went out back. We told him we had a, we could set him up with a workout if he wanted to work out. So he said, I sure do. So he came down, and we put him in the, in the ring with one of our Japanese uh, mechanics yeah and uh and and terry ended up with a broken ankle you know and uh wow. we went well that's that's the end of this guy we'll never see him again next morning he was there with mason his boots is up his boot his ankle black and blue and we said hey no take go take care of that ankle come back in a couple of weeks when you're healed up but him even showing up just showed us that he had it and he he wanted it and 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 we went on from there with i mean who could see that type of success though well the guy was I, I, so I, I, you know it's like brock lesnar is it how, i mean it don't take a brain surgeon to look at a guy like brock lesnar and figure out yeah. he's gonna be a star i mean well, people true. give me credit you found uh, yeah but i mean holy shit. i mean look what yeah. i had to work with the yeah. guy is but an animal like, like, like that's a that real physical specimen he had exactly. that personality too hulk hogan yeah. he had like the it factor he ended up doing movies and you know he He's one of those people that took it to the next level. And yeah. shout out to Hulk Hogan. Became <laughs> arguably bigger than any promotion. I mean, he was a household name. He was in Rocky Three, right? Was it Rocky Three? Rocky Thunderlips. Three, yeah. Yep, Thunderlips. Yeah. And shout out to Stallone for He had the charisma back then. Guys, I'm telling you, his first match was in a, in a little place called uh, Vero Beach, Florida. 200 miles on the other side of the state. He didn't have any money. And so, uh, so, uh, 
my brother, my brother bought Hogan his first pair of wrestling boots. I don't know if you know that, but Jack, Jack made it, paid his first wow. pair of wrestling boots. We sent him up to Jerry Lawler. He didn't have any money. I gave him a hundred dollars for, for, to get up to, uh, to Memphis. Best hundred dollar investment you made, I bet. Yeah. And you know what? He paid me back. He paid me, <laughs> me but when he started making money up in New York, he came to my house and paid me back my hundred dollar bill, gave it to me. And I've been wanting to give this to you for a long time. Nice. But back to my story, at first match was over on the other side of Florida. He was on third. You know, and, and we had six, five, maybe five, six hundred people in there. Nobody had ever seen uh, even with Terry Bollea. Nobody knew who Terry Bollea is. So his opponent goes out to the ring. So we said, all right, Terry, hold back. We we send there was no music back in those days either, by the way. You just went to the ring, you know, and yeah. then he had a t-shirt on. And of course he was golden tan and had the he had the I think I've and, seen this video. It might be on YouTube, right? It's somewhere out there before yeah, he was. Wow. And he had he had a full head of hair. And so he started walking to the ring and people started seeing him. I mean, you could just hear the woo. And, and before he got all the way to the ring, the audience, I mean, they were standing up in layers. I mean, each row would stand up as he would pass by just to get another look at this. By the time he got in the damn ring, he had a standing ovation on his very first match. My brother and I elbowed each other. I think we got said, some. Yeah, we got one. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest is history. And an eye for talent, that doesn't just go away. You don't grow out of that. It's one thing to stop wrestling because your body gets to a certain point. And now I look at AEW. They're bringing back all of these WWE guys. Christian just signed over there. Is there any chance we're going to see you maybe scout talent for AEW or go over there at some point? Or are you actually going to enjoy retirement for a little bit? Well, right now I'm enjoying this the podcast world. I mean, I you know I get to meet great people like you and get to get the experience of being on your show and learn how to do these things. I mean, what yes. you do as an art, it's not easy. People think you just turn on that camera and you get on there and go, but the preparation that you got to do and and the research and and the help that you got to have, you got to have the right people around. You got to know what you're doing. So, I'm enjoying that. But back to your question. What was Ted DiBiase's uh, favorite line? Ha, 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 everybody has a what? Well, no, everybody a has a prize. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, hell, I'm open to anything. A million dollar man. Well, I guess Cody, uh, Cody would pay up if he knows what's good for him. I mean, look at all those names. Hulk Hogan, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. And who's this guy, the other guy that is now or, or recently was tag team champion that you brought in? Otis, Otis. That's right. It was Otis. Okay. Yeah, Otis, uh, the, the street prophets, uh, Angelo yeah. Dawkins. He's yeah. one of my guys. I mean, I, you know, they, 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 I got some guys at NXC that's going to be, you know, the next insert your name there. I got mm -hmm. two or three guys there. Then I got a couple of guys that's right now competing in college that, you know, I'm in contact with. I mean, even though I'm gone from WWE, that don't mean I can't do a job and still be a scout. Once you're a talent scout, you're always, I was a talent scout before I was a talent scout. Hell, I wasn't even, I didn't even know what a talent scout was when I found yeah. Hulk Hogan, you know. Kevin, let me tell you a quick story on Kevin Nash, then I'll shut up here. But, you know, I've been, been in the office, you meet all these building managers, you know, and all these businessmen. So, 
I became very good friends with the building manager of the Atlanta Omni, a very famous building for wrestling back in the, in the 70s. And it was the first really huge, gigantic building up there. So the building manager, Mike Osha, was a, was a guy about my age. He was a really cool guy. So he called me one day. He said, hey, Briscoe, I got this kid here. He's seven foot tall. He played basketball. He played basketball in Tennessee. Tennessee, yep. He's seven foot and he's 300 pounds. He just won Mr. Georgia bodybuilding contest. I said, well, can you fax me a couple of pictures of me of him down there? So he faxed me a picture down. I saw him. And just so it would have it, you know, fate would have it, we were booked that night in Pensacola, Florida. Hulk Hogan was on the flight. Hulk Hogan didn't want to drive from Tampa to Pensacola, Florida. It's about a nine-hour drive, so he gets Vince to charter a plane. Of course, I get on the charter. I just left Briscoe Brothers Body Shop, which wasn't too far from there, uh, the, the private terminal there, and I took the pictures with me because I didn't want to leave them there, so. I'm on there and I'm putting the picture in my briefcase. Terry's, what do you got there? And I said, the next Hogan. And he took, hey, holy cow, <laughs> this guy is huge, you know. I mean, he gets put on by Hogan before he even. So anyway, I said, I said, Kevin up with a <coughs> with Jody Hamilton, you know, the the assassin guy that <coughs> that worked for WWE as a trainer at uh, uh, when we moved OVW over to Atlanta. He was the first trainer there. And a very knowledgeable guy. So uh, he, he's one to train uh, Kevin. And Kevin, you know, just immediately because of his size, started getting elevated in the business. And next thing you know, he's Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. And now, you know, then he becomes yeah. Diesel, the world champion. So. Diesel was a beast. And then, like, yeah. once again, who would have thought that eventually, all these years later, in WCW, they would become the NWO? Yeah. So it all comes amazing, full circle. It's amazing uh, the evolution, how things turn in our business. It really is. And I wonder what's next. I mean, like you said, yeah. <laughs> these wrestlers are getting that much better now that there's not a crowd there. So I guess we're in for some really epic matches coming up once the world opens back up. Very exciting. Oh, well, I think so, too. I think that people are going to see a product like they've never seen before. And, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not against that cinematic style either. I, I kind of enjoy that every once in a while. I wouldn't want a full three hours of it. I, you know, you get bored as hell, but I, I want some wrestling in between. You know, it's like that fine line between talking too much and wrestling. You know, I, exactly. which one do you want the best? Which one are you buying? Well, those little ratings give you those numbers that tell you yeah. which, which ones the people are. So, it, so I think I think people are going to be amazed when we come back into this world. Looking forward to it. And on that note, is there anything else that we have to look forward to? Uh, any side ventures that are going on that we can plug or promote for the people to check out? Entrepreneurial well, endeavors. We, we plugged uh, the, the all the uh, the, the all the, you find me. Just go to YouTube for Briscoe and Bradshaw's stories. Briscoe and Bradshaw YouTube. Uh, we're all over that, and all those other. I mean, I don't even know what is Spotify, Spotify, or whatever. We're on that. We're all yeah. over, all over the streaming. We don't, you know. I, I always Google ask, where can they find you? Yeah, Google it. That's it. Google it. Yeah, just Google Google Briscoe. You'll find me in somewhere. <laughs> it was an honor, good sir, to have yeah, you onto the honor. show. And hopefully, well, maybe the uh, the uh, paths will intertwine at some point. We can have you back, and I'll definitely be checking out that podcast, the legendary. Jerry Briscoe here on the Ryan Show FM. And he can be followed one more time. What's that Instagram? 
Uh, BFG Fresco. This is the Ryan Show FM, and we will be back to close out the evening. Drummer Boy Fresh is on the way. Jerry, it's been an honor. Honky Wonky on the ones and twos to bring us into the break. Folks, we will be back.
listen to this track. I know. <laughs> right off the jump, Kirsten, what do you expect? This is the Ryan Show FM. We talk about five degrees of separation on this show, but we're definitely five degrees apart from this next guest here. And that's because of our connection to the Millennial General. Shouts to Radio Pushers. Millennial General helps us behind the scenes. He writes for the website. Uh, but this next guest is a legendary producer. He's created, if you're in my generation, many of the hits that you heard on all the time. It is with great honor that I introduce here for the first time on the Ryan Show FM, a godfather in the trap music genre, Drummer Boy Fresh is in the building, or I should say on the Zoom. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, yeah, boy, what's happening? And it really is an honor to have you here. To those that don't know, Drummer Boy Fresh was behind some of those songs that really brought trap into the mainstream. And when you really listen to the beats, you can understand that he's got a very classically trained background. I never realized that until I did some research. And Drummer Boy played in orchestras and, uh, and symphonies and... You can hear that in the music, in the production itself. You know, you, you always people always say that trap might have some simple lyrics, but you listen to the beats like the ones Drummer Boy makes, crazy production. For sure, no, it's 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 just coming from where I came from. Like you know, what I'm saying with my pop being in the orchestra, my mom being in the opera, my older brother in the streets. You know, what I mean, practically raising me in the street. You know, church, country music, right up the street, home of the blues. It's like every genre of music you can possibly think of. In, in Memphis, you know what I mean? And having that exposure, I guess, that's why I call my music gumbo. And I kind of made the best out of everything I learned from each genre. And it enabled me to read and write and compose and arrange and create unheard of genres. We never knew that we could turn the location into a genre. Like That definition's completely yeah. changed since you, know you started. Yeah. Where you at, bro? The, the trap. So I know where to pull up at. Now it's like what you're listening to, trap, like, yeah. And so it's it's crazy to you know be a part, a founding, a uh, member of the trap, or ar- architect of the trap, and uh, and you know so many people to this day love this music that 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 primarily comes from Memphis. Was it literally the trap that inspired you when you were creating these beats? It was just what I saw. So I was just painting the picture. I'm, I'm a I'm a type of producer. I make I'm a product of my environment. So what's around me, and when I hear a room full of people talking and what they're talking about and whatnot, it it is it doesn't it's not nerve wracking to me. It it almost helps me solve the pu- the puzzle. You know what I mean? And then I can deliver that energy, which I don't know. I, I've I've been good with getting people to tell great <laughs> stories too. Well, it's like you said, you're uh, you're a true gumbo, a musical gumbo between all the influences around you, uh, between Memphis and your family and everything else. So I have to ask, what is it that made you take the transition from playing instruments to creating instrumentals? It was my older brother. He was making beats and all of them were making beats with Jazzy Faye, Carlos Brody, Slice T, Paragon, um, you know, Manny Fresh was doing it up the road. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it was so many people who these guys are like 14, 15 years older than me and were like my big brothers. Even the Isaac Hayes and Quincy Jones, you know, I, I saw Isaac Hayes in my living room. You know what I'm saying? My mom was, you know, friends and family of so many different people. You know what I'm saying? Gladys Knight, Retha Franklin. Um, so seeing how bands were put together, seeing how songwriters got together to write these big songs, seeing how 
beats were made in the studio through my brother, um, Rodney Jerkins. House of Blues was one of the studios in Memphis. So I met a lot of different yep. artists. Got to see a lot of people. Three Six Mafia, Juicy. Yep. You know, ball that was a whole movement in its own for Memphis. Yeah. T-Lo. Memphis is like the music city, though. Like, it's not just, just so much music has come from Memphis. What did your parents think? Did they judge you in any way for, for making music like that instead of, you know, the classical route that you could have taken? Yeah, I think the, the, the most thing about street music is that you're going to be in the street. So, <laughs> you know, my mom, like, I think parents just, it's not so that they didn't like the music. They just liked it. They did not like the environment mm-hmm. and the places that we'll be hanging out and whatnot. So they were more concerned on that aspect of things, but it was something that I had to do. It, it, you know what I'm saying? It was like, it's, you know, this is, this is, you got to walk through hell to get to heaven. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is something that I had to do just, just, just to prove myself and show people that I can do it with on my own. You know what I'm saying? And that seems to be a theme. Like, you know, reading your story, you're a true entrepreneur and you found a way to monetize your creation of music before you had even blown up per se, you were already selling beats. So what do you attribute that sense of business to, to be that business minded at such a young age coming into this? Um, I give a lot of it to my mom. She always tell me, bless the child that got his own. So I understood that, it, you know, any, any, anybody that I saw getting paid, I always understood that they were either a trusted brand or somebody that people respect. Period. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm not paying nobody on respect ever. Yeah. And, and any company that loses my respect loses my business. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So with that type of mind frame, I was like, all right, f- the money. I actually started off doing beats for free and just, you know what I'm saying? Like, like just earning my respect. You know what I'm saying? And then once I started getting certain songs that was making money for people and generating the income, yeah. like people are making a living off of this this music. Yo, God is making a living off of music. You know what I'm saying? And uh, once he got to that point, then it, it was like a demand. What was it that brought you two together, you and Yo Gotti? Uh, it was a couple people. My boy Trey, shout out to Eye of the City. He kept telling me about Yo Gotti. I had just moved to Cordova. I got some trouble. I'm, I'm, I'm from South Memphis. Okay. Yo Gotti from North Memphis. So when I moved to Cordova, that's like not too far from North Memphis. You know what I mean? Now I'm in Bolton and Bartlett and Germantown, Cordova, Millington, which is uh, just in uh, Timberlake areas. Uh, okay. You know what I mean? It's, it was it was just, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the suburb areas, but it's, it's still some hood and some street going on in these different yeah. environments and areas so um it allowed me to cross different ground uh to reach a different demographic of people and now i cover the whole city of memphis not only in my south memphis or east or west but we we all of the above well that's what you think of you're one of the names that first comes to mind when you think of memphis hip-hop oh yeah for sure man that's 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 respect much respect and not just Memphis, but just that whole, the whole movement. I mean, whole trap. Know, we, we like, did you have any idea that trap music was going to evolve the entire music industry? Pretty much. It's, it's pretty much a lot of it's pop music almost at this point. Did you ever see it becoming so mainstream? Nah, I didn't. I just, I just knew I'd do something that I love to do. And I actually made beats like New York, like West coast. I made 
Caribbean Reggae Island. I just did Dexter Dapp's new single. We nice. just worked with DeVito. Um, I'm excited about that coming out. Davy, uh, the the Wi-Fi is the new single with Dexter Dapps. And just showing people my diversity. You got the trees and the, and, the, and, the, and the waves in the background and whatnot. And and I always understood that women dancing and having fun are the top three things that you can do to involve with your music. And if you allow the people to to do those three things, you know what I mean? And you can you can get that women uh, women's fan base. You're out of here. It's true. But it's not all you're good at. I mean, one of my favorite songs of all time is put on. Yeah, put on crazy, crazy yeah. song, crazy energy, inspiring and motivating, and, and yeah. making people like people want to work out, people want to watch yes. it, people want to no. party or rep their city. Like, yo. did you know that that was like Kanye and and Jeezy were gonna get on when you were making that beat? Did you make it for them or was that? Yeah, just I made the beat for Jeezy, but I had no clue Kanye mm-hmm. was gonna get on it. And it, it's crazy because I got the idea. Like I was like, man, dog, I got to make something that's bigger than one of my favorite uh, uh, moments was the Chicago Bulls intro and yep. ever classic and Alan Parson project and then I just took that and ran with it and put my own notes together oh wow so literally you based that instrumental off of the Alan Parson project Michael Jordan theme song wow oh yeah and just took it and flipped it like you know what I'm saying crazy I when I first heard it I thought it might, it was like such a complex beat. I thought it must have been like a Kanye beat at the time. But yeah, when I first had heard it, I heard those two on the track together. And for Kanye to rap, that was the first time you heard him rap on somebody else's beat and yeah. somebody from down south, the trap. And it was just a moment. He owed Jeezy a favor and Jeezy made it happen, bro. That's, that was like the best gift and alley oop that Jeezy could throw me. Yeah, definitely. That was a classic. How yeah, did he's, you find he's that? On the remix. Like, come on, man. Yo, that is one of the greatest songs of all time. Like, yo, that's what it's all about is like music is supposed to bring out an emotion with you. And me, I'm also a classically trained musician and I gravitate towards hip hop. And it's because of songs like that, that like, yo, there's no genre of music that's going to get me that hyped up to do something. It is what it is. Absolutely. Another thing that we have in common, which I did read, is that your mom is a CPA. And I was wondering if that was... What you were gonna say was the reason oh, yeah, why you were so yeah, business savvy. Yeah, yeah, she's an accountant. She got that, you know, that that just that hustle mentality, man. And she understands finances, business, how to add, subtract, and 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 make sure that you know you making more money than you spending at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? So, it, yo, it's not easy to be a woman and be a businesswoman and to be a CPA and and especially a black woman. Like, it's just, I see the struggles that my mom goes through in that world. So, I mean, to be able to have that as an inspiration in your life, I can see that making a tremendous impact. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And even her being in a position to finance things, she financed a keyboard for me, Roland XP50. That was my first keyboard. She ain't had the money to buy no $2,000 keyboard. But the fact that she had the line of credit to do that was a line for my dreams. You know what I mean? And and. Look where I'm at now. We're going to be having a full Drummer Boy Fresh interview on my FM radio show coming soon. We can sit down and really get into things, but we want to play some of your new music tonight. So what is it that these uh, that the fine folks out there listening have the pleasure of hearing first tonight? What song are we going to hit them with? 
Man, I think first we got to get into Wi-Fi. You got the wind blowing. You got the wave <laughs> coming in off the shore. I want to hear Wi-Fi because we always stay connected with our fans. Shout out to Dexter Daps. Shout out to Jamaica. The beautiful islands, man. United States. New music. Drummer boy. I got a number one in rap. Got a number one in, R- in, in R&B and, and hip-hop and trap. Now we got to get a number one in nice. Now you're coming for reggae. Get everything. Cover all grounds. Yes, sir. Take them all next one is gospel. Time. <laughs> exactly. Gospel yeah. next. Country music. Yeah, that's gospel. That's easy, man. I'm a dead yeah. <laughs> This is the Ryan Show FM. Drummer Boy Fresh in the building. Follow him now. Living legend. And this is some of his new music. We're going to hit you with some classics after that. And we will be back to close out the show. Folks, thanks for listening. And we will Don't be back. Be I still can't believe it, I still can't believe it, no.
Fucked on lit up, look at my pig in the white like veneers Stop being no random few M's or took a few years I say stop being no random few M's or took a few years So Zerion on bros, me and my like bros I'ma do it again half Make a baby mama clean my goals Clean that her door If I hit she not not yours That is she not not yours No more, no Last night I was swerving in the fast lane Still kinda faded from my last drink Sometimes I had nightmares about my past days If I'm dreaming, let me sleep over I feel like I'm trans, man Somebody pinch me, somebody wake me I think I believe it I put my all in this and nothing came easy I know God didn't bring me this far for no reason Diddy 
just summer jam, Billy Jean. I put prodigy in this place on that summer jam screen. I put bream in my truck, told them leave them streets alone. I predicted, yeah, what happened? I try to put them on. All these taking credit for the work that I put in. If you really put me on, put your cell phone in. I put miles on that hoopty, I put hours in that kitchen, put that on my dip. Mama, this is fact, not fiction. That's what's trying to build a case. I was headed for conviction till the greatest flow in the world put me on television. I put on for my city. So when I'm dead and gone, I got one last wish. Put my Yankee hat on. I put on for my city. All good things must come to an end. Yes, even this broadcast. And it's been a good one, Hams, Dave. I got to say. It's been good. You were excited about going into this one, too. And now I see why. Jerry Briscoe, it was like one of the people I've never seen you get so excited for to have on. I knew we were going to get some good Attitude Era stories, Hulk Hogan stories. You know I love Hulk Hogan. Yep. Really quick, there was a person trying to get into the Zoom chat earlier. Turns out it was Young Buck. And I just kept rejecting it. I thought it was one of like Mr. Cheeks' crazy <laughs> friends. Turns out it was Young Buck, so I guess Young Buck is going to be coming on to either next week's show or a show in the future. But I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. I want to thank Habs Dave. I want to thank Nora, Mac Daddy, Mateo, the whole great team that makes this show happen week in and week out. And, of course, Mr. Cheeks, who will uh, be here next week. Habs Dave, what do you think about this new Pixel Parade contest? I love it. I love Pixel Parade. Just to, you know, bring the people in. Uh, But... Shout out to Pixel Parade. Anybody that puts my face into an emoji where I could then DM to your girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> you say it all no, the time. Just- Hamzev loves to take pictures of his face and send it to girls. You can do it now, too, if you win this contest. And not many people have signed up, at least as of right now. And it's Monday night. So go check it out um, on our Instagram page at The Ryan Show, the very last post that's up there. We're not going to bore you with the details, but I'll tell you this. You will win 12 emojis, custom emojis by the legendary graffiti artist Fetus. There's no reason they shouldn't sign up. It's that. Yeah. It's a giveaway. And this is a $1,500 value. Not only that, but you will have a choice to play whatever song you want on the Ryan Show FM. So if you're an artist and you want to play your terrible music on our program, we'll let you do it Just this one time. Just sign up to Pixel Parade. Just join it. Super easy. Super fun. Hams Dave, it's been a fantastic week but I see that the time is coming to an end. Is there any last words for these fine folks out there? No, just a uh, second half of the NBA season, ready for my Nets. Uh, oh, to win it, we got a to lot to talk about all. next that's week. All, Very, that's what I'm excited about. I'm as excited. a we Clippers just, fan, I might just be a Nets fan now too. You should. I mean, we got two, two of the players from your, your golden years. Our golden era front court. The silver, sterling silver years. <laughs> it was the early Balmer years. Sterling. Sterling's reign of terror was over by then, pretty much. Oh, oh man. man. What a night. What a night. What a Shouts night. to Gerald Briscoe. Shouts to Drummer Boy Fresh. Shouts to Young Buck. And, uh, yeah. Shouts to uh, Big Head Bands. 
Yep, David big headbands. Who'd have known? He's out there just breeding thoroughbreds. Oh, my Lord. Making Mr. Hands jealous. All right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the That's Ryan the craziest Show. video. Dude, that is... I always just want to bring up Mr. Hands whenever I talk to somebody about horses. It always goes to Mr. Hands. Look it up, people. Has that right now. He probably I'm sure has that he's got it in right his little now. glasses. Is he has shirt in the mic tighter? Yep. He's getting excited. Getting a little Mr. Handsy. His little his little alfalfa hair poked up <laughs> on the top of his hair. Mr. Hand is a two-time and blank. <laughs> I mean, look. The greatest intern on earth. Shouts to Mateo. I don't know what he just said right there. You heard him. last. By the way, I got to say, Mateo killed the stand-up last week. He did. Before I was just going to say. Super impressed with the stand-up comedy. He's getting better and better each week. Thank Follow you. Follow him at much. Angry uh, Bastards. Thank you. thank you all. No, no, thank, thank you. you. No, thank you thank for you. entertaining us. We we appreciate you. This is the Ryan Show FM with intern Mateo Pascal, Hampton's Dave the Social Aid, the lovely Nora, producer of the Ooh. show, and myself, Ryan Vernell. Come back next week to the same station at the same time, and we'll be back, folks. Over and out. Peace. Peace.